Hi guys, welcome to another edition of Gold Bazan. We're going to discuss about Carlos Caterus today. I'm back here again with our regular panelists, Bob Bag Goldri, Sinai Samyan, unfortunately Mahan, Sarkar Hashemi, Pejman, and Anir Zapayan couldn't be with us. But end of this podcast, you will hear some interesting news from Pejman Pars regarding Kairos from the press conference he got from Sweden. And also we have Mani from the BBC today as a guest today. So despite the sanctions, Kairos took Iran to the World Cup and made Iran rank 42nd in the world. And right now Iran is ranked first currently in Asia. Looking at it, for me, the most important thing was to see how well we defended, play tactical football, and how disciplined our players were and fought as a team and not as a bunch of individuals. At what Kairos brought. His charisma and his passion for the game even made our players in the league at Baratad even perform as hard as they could to get recognized by Kairos. Hands down, right now he's been our best manager in my lifetime, and I can't thank him enough for that. How you guys doing? How you doing, Babak? It's good to be here, Pasha, and I'm looking forward to a chat. I appreciate it. Sina, how you doing? Yeah, I'm very well, Pasha. It's great to speak to you guys. Thank you. And Mani, thank you for coming out, my friend. And Mani is always here. Thank you very much for inviting me. How are you? Very well, thank you. So, guys, the first question I want to ask you guys, I'm going to start off with you, Mani, is that um, the manner that Cato suddenly left and the unfair criticism he got from the IFF, the Iranian Football Federation, was really absurd and ridiculous. Um, who is at fault here? Do you think the way they treated Kairos towards the end of his um, term and the way he just you know, terminated his country and said, I'm just going to leave, was that correct? Well, I think that um, there's been a certain amount of revisionism with Carlos Queiroz. I think I would describe Carlos Queiroz's contribution to Iranian football as being relatively successful. But, you know, I think in the World Cup, they basically turned up to one match, which was Argentina. They didn't need to play in the way they did against Nigeria. And by the time they got to Bosnia, they were mentally tired because all their eggs were in the Argentina basket. And his brand of football in the Asian Cup was awful. They were so defensive in games they had no reason to be. I mean, the last game against the UAE, which Iran won with a last-minute winner, was um, was all... Was, was, was the UAE's to win, and they should have, and they would have won it if they had a striker. And I don't accept that they lost the quarterfinal against Iraq because uh, Pouladi was sent off. Because I think that by that stage, Iran should have been at least two 0 up. Iraq were there for the taking, and even with ten men, Iran managed to help hold them to, to penalties. So I think his brand of football, which has always been his brand of football, which is defensive, playing on the counter attack, um, it was successful to a point. But it was unattractive. It was quite dull, and it's not what Iranian football is about. The identity of Iranian football has been based on exciting, off-the-cuff football, and that doesn't mean you you have to be indisciplined to play that kind of football. You know, the two things aren't mutually exclusive. You know, I praise him for the discipline that that he gave to the Iranian defence. I've never seen that kind of discipline in any other West Asian team before. But he's not the be-all and he's not the end-all. And he has a record of being of being sacked as the head coach. And I think that what he's doing now, he's, he's, a, he's a professional whinger, to, uh, to take the phrase of uh, the old Arsenal manager, George Graham, when he was talking about Tottenham fans. That's what Carlos Kerosh is. All he does is whinge. And, um, you know, if he wants to leave, then he should leave. He shouldn't, he shouldn't be haggling and, and trying to, to, to use semantics to get a payoff. 
he wants to leave. So so let him go. He's wanted to leave since the Asian Cup. He told me himself at the Asian Cup that he wanted to leave. So if, if that's what he wants, then he should go. Barbag? Well, uh, initially when uh, Moni said that he's been relatively successful, I would agree with that assessment. But when we go deeper into his explanation, I'm going to be a little bit... Uh, I'm a little bit, uh, let's say, on the other side of the fence. I think that, first of all, uh, uh, the concept that Iranian football is about attacking football, I mean, what has, what, what have we done to justify that tag? We're not Brazil. We're, we, don't, we don't have a given right to be attacking and successful on the pitch by getting results. I think the results speak for themselves. Uh, uh, under Carlos Queiroz, we qualified for the World Cup, something we failed to do four years earlier. I think he did so with a squad which many people, many observers agree, is not the most talented and definitely well past its best days. I mean, the spine of the side is well over 30, and that's the kind of side that he took to the World Cup. During the World Cup, yes, I agree, we did play defensive football, where we knew that's what we are going to get with him. I mean, uh, it was against Lebanon in the World Cup qualifiers at a point where in June, a year or a year before the World Cup, when things changed, and he changed the tactics completely because it wasn't working. And... Uh, he turned into much more counter-attacking team, letting the opponents uh, take the ball. And during the World Cup, I mean, it was a logical approach against Nigeria. The first game, you've got to start a little bit cagey. Uh, probably was a missed opportunity because we needed to get a win if we had a chance of qualifying. Against Argentina, we know how that how that panned out. And against Bosnia, like Mani said, we were mentally and probably physically burnt out. During the Asian Cup, I think that coming up against teams that are well uh, in much more inferior than us, cost us in a way because it makes us look far more defensive than we are. Uh, UAE, Qatar, Bahrain, all three of them are far beneath our technical ability, but uh, you couldn't change the style at that point. But uh, against Iraq, I thought we began to really click and we had an amazing first uh, half an hour. We could have easily been two or three up. So yes, we didn't score a second goal, but to say that it wasn't because of the red card that we got knocked out is a little bit harsh. Um, in terms of uh, the last point about him wanting to leave, I'm not sure. He probably does want to leave, but uh, they're pushing him out of the way, uh, out of the door as well. So as a professional, you wouldn't expect him to just put his head down and say, all right, I'm going and I'm going to give up my money as well. So what he's doing right now is expected. If the IFF really wants him out, they should pay him off. But they're really trying to push him away so that he resigns and they don't have to pay him any compensation. So overall, I think uh, he's done as good as we would expect. And uh, to say that he left a long-term legacy, I wouldn't think so. But he did show us that for the first time, at least again in my lifetime, to see a disciplined and tactically astute Iranian team where no individual stands out above the team. That's the first time I've seen in since the 1992 Asian Cup. We've always depended on individual talent and individual players. But this side, you could take out anyone out of that side and you wouldn't say we would be any weaker or stronger. You know. So, But is that to do with Kerosh or is that to do with the quality of the players that he has? I mean, how would this team have played if Kerosh was the coach 15 years ago with, a, with players like Mathevikiar, Karimi, Dai still at his peak... Um, would people have accepted Iran playing in that way, in this way, that, and they would have done under Kerosh because that's the only way he plays. Would people have accepted this with those 
players with, who are, who were so so talented. We don't have anyone like that in our team at the moment. Exactly, and I agree with you. No, we wouldn't have accepted it. But the point is, when Carlos Carrish took over, we all knew it's a bit of a crossroads for Iranian football. We thought that the generation shift would happen earlier during his reign, and we're a bit disappointed that he took more and more time to actually do that. But it was the Asian Cup when he began to actually let's say, uh, rejuvenate the side by introducing Puri Ali Ganji and uh, Vahid Amiri and uh, uh, Sardar Osmoon. So until then, we're a little bit disappointed as in he was just delaying the inevitable and not really leaving, uh, giving us a roadmap to the future. But uh, he's probably just about giving us a hint towards what's to come. I don't want you to think that I'm some sort of mouthpiece for the IFF. I mean, he clearly, he's, he's, achieved, he's achieved good results. And I think that yeah, he will, in a way, he will leave a legacy if he is actually going. And that is the players that Bobak has just mentioned, because they're the future. Nekunama's gone. I wouldn't be surprised if Taymourian goes sooner, sooner rather than later, because by the next World Cup, I think he'll be too old. And, you know, um, Hosseini may, may well be too old by the next World Cup as well. And he's introduced an excellent goalkeeper. And um, Amiri Qafuri particularly was excellent. Uh, in the Asian Cup, and is also what he's also done, which I think is very important, which is why I think the next coach should also be a non-Iranian coach, is that he's taken players from the diaspora, and it's those players who, who you know, like uh, Dejagah, Guchan Najad to an extent, um, who have proved to be so important in that team. So you know, I'm going to ask you this question. What do you think with the departure of Carlos Keller's do you think it will affect our you know national team in a negative manner? And where do you think our national team will be from here on out? I think first of all, there's some suggestions that Keller uh, is a father figure to, to Iranian football. I think that's completely absurd. To assert, you know, I completely disagree with that. I think, as the guy said, he he does leave a legacy, but to say that he's the father of Modern Iranian football, which I've read on a you know a few occasions, is it's just completely wrong. I think when you call someone a father to, in you know in any field, it, you know it should be someone who's changed the culture of that field completely. He's not changed the culture of our football. He's he's made a lot of changes to the national team, but at the end of the day, national team isn't the you know. The pinnacle, is the pinnacle of our football, but it's not the entire package. You feel like you know, there's a lot more involved in in our football culture, and he's not been able to to change everything. Maybe if he was given more time, he would have been able to, but he had in, in four years. But he did well, what he did do was uh, instigate, uh, as the guy said, a, you know, a disciplined team, and um, I think considering the team that we had, the players that had. Uh, you know, I can go through individual names. Um, it's almost impossible to play an attacking football. You know, with the league that produces such a low amount of goal, you know, on a game-to-game -game basis, it doesn't really produce uh, great attacking players. So it's not really Kerosh's fault, but you know, he, what he's done was to get the best out of what he had, and I think he did it well. Um, the World uh, Cup to the Asian Cup, the um, the time space was so short. He obviously, I, I wasn't expecting him to to change his philosophy that much. Um, with the training camps being cancelled and, and uh, so many few uh, friendly games, 
but as I said, he, he did a he did a good job considering what he had, and I think what I was really looking forward to seeing was if he stayed on with this uh, transition in generation that is needed. Maybe we're a late we're a year late to go through this transition. It's needed, and I was I was looking forward to see how he deals with that because. Um, Offensive ball, you know, if he gets result, it's fair enough. But when you have young talent players such as Jahanbach, such as Osman, um, you know, Mohsen Masalman is another one, and a couple of other players coming through as well. Um, how would they enter this defensive system? And maybe does he would he change his locks uh, or not? You know, we weren't able to see it, but uh, it it does leave a bit of negative. Um, Side effects on uh, on Team Ali certainly for the uh, next manager to come in. I think it's a poisonous job for anyone to come in at this moment of time because the media are completely on Kerrish's side, and especially if a domestic uh, and a local manager is in charge, they will be on his back straight away from the first minute, and um, he wouldn't really have to uh, as he should do. But a lot of people were on Kerrish's back. Let's, let's not forget that um, with three games to go in the World Cup qualifiers Iran had an outside chance of qualifying the best that most people were hoping for was a playoff place I spoke to one of the players who said we've got a 30% chance of qualifying we're not going to do it and I don't remember anyone then you know offering up statues of Keros and naming roads after him or anything like that so you know I think the the next manager if he is Iranian I think Sinan's right he'll struggle but I think you know, if you look at Iran's next matches, they're going to be in the first group stage of the World Cup qualifiers. Games that Iran should win fairly easily. Um, so if if a, you know if if a, if a guy comes in who's competent, then he's going to have a he's going to have a honeymoon period. You know, they'll get a few wins under his belt. He'll get to see the players in relatively unpressured matches. And by the time he gets gets him to the important stage. He'll know those players if he didn't know them already, and so I don't think I don't think it's that it's that bad a it's that bad a job. But after all, I mean, I think in the world there are probably only forty teams who have a realistic chance of qualifying for the World Cup, and Iran's one of them. And given the passion that there is for football in Iran, given the salary that a coach can expect to get from the IFF, which is pretty good, you know, it's it's a good job to get. Iran really is a good job to get. Uh, I'd like to just just respond to the guys if you don't mind, Pasha. No, go ahead. I agree with Sina. He wasn't a father figure to Iranian football because Iranian football is like an orphan. So <laughs> yes, he, could, he couldn't. He couldn't. He couldn't make long-lasting changes. But what he did do is add a culture of team spirit and a united front between the players. And I don't remember the last time, if ever, this has been in modern Iranian football. So yes, that is a big change. That is something that is a bit understated because we've always seen clicks in the national team. We've always seen players and camps and and uh, let's say the media even being uh, or split, let's say, uh, overall. But we haven't had it with this team at least over the last two years. And yes, it was at that point where... He changed things against Lebanon, and everything since then fell into place. So yes, before that, there was a lot of rumbles about if we're not going to qualify, he should leave. And I agree, it's a results business at the end of the day. It wasn't like uh, everyone was behind Carlos Quiroz even when things were going wrong. But uh, when Mani says that uh, groups that uh, the group for the World Cup qualifiers first stage is going to come up, it's going to be games that Iran should be winning. 
I'm not sure about that. If you come up against Saudi, Oman, uh, teams like this, it's they're not given victories. You know, yes, we should qualify to the next stage, and we probably will. But it's not as clear-cut as before. I mean, over the last 10, 15 years, especially in West Asian football, the gap has been very tight. We've lost to a lot of teams that we usually wouldn't lose to. I mean, games against Qatar, even before Carlos Kairos, were games that we've been struggling with. UAE has been getting the better of us over the last few years as well. Bahrain, we know they beat us. Oman had a weak victory over us a few years ago. Lebanon beat us at... Uh, Beirut, yes, that was under Carlos Kirosh, but overall, it's it's not as done and dusted. The gaps are very tight, so I think getting a competent manager like Manisa is very important, but how many of them are there, especially in Iran? I will have... Oh, sorry, man. I'll just have a quick question. So let's say the next, whoever the next manager is going to be, do you think he's going to get rid of the Deadwoods as we have now? As like, the, our, like, you know, if you look at the age gap in our... Uh, players right now it's still the same people over and over again around 30s you know you know late 29s you know stuff like that so you think the next manager when he if he comes in do you think he's going to get rid of the devil then you trying to bring implement more young players in or is it just going to be the same thing I'm well gonna... i'm not sure there is that much deadwood really i think i mean you know um it's a it's a pretty well-oiled team the starting 11 and i think that whoever the next manager is would be very foolish to get rid of the, the experienced players because you know he'll need them he'll need people like Taymourion he'll need Shojai um, and it's a shame Nekunam's retired now really because um, you know he, he'll need those he'll need those people uh, to act you know with his voice on the pitch so um, I think that would be extremely foolish if he was to um, and I don't think anyone would I, don't, I mean unless you're a coach who knows Iranian football the league then you know why would you turn up and get rid of players based on age when you don't you know, do you know anything about them when you don't know anything about the younger players in the league? Cena, um, I kind of disagree. I think there are certain players that do need changing because they have they are maybe not necessarily better players, but they're at the same level with a younger age. Which I think if you're younger and you're at the same level, then you should be priority. I mean, certainly with Shujai, as you mentioned, uh, a player who we saw in the Asian Cup, Basrusha Rafi, he's been fantastic in the last two seasons in Iran. Of course, he's had military issues, uh, military service issues, and he's been unable to um, to play since January, even for his club. But, you know, these are the kind of players that I think should be given more than just 15 minutes per game to to really show themselves. I mean, Khosra Hedri is another one. Uh, I think he's 31, 32, I think now. Um, I think there are better players to to be given that chance. If he's going to sit on the bench, then I'd rather see a younger player who's who's played really well in the last two seasons to come on and, and sit on that bench. He'll he'll learn a lot from uh, from the experience. But if you're a new coach who's just coming in to coach a national team, um, you know how are you going to how are you going to know about these players? You know the the sensible thing, the, the logical thing would be to stick with the players who have done as well as these players have done. Surely, I mean I'm not saying stay with them for the World Cup. Take them, take all of these players to the World Cup, but you know you're not going. Why make change for change's sake? No, no, I agree, but uh, that's in the case if uh, a foreign manager comes in, which I think we, we will have a foreign manager. I think a local manager will be in soon, and he'll most definitely be from uh, a team that is currently in the league. So they'll probably know the league better than anyone else, and. Um, that's why you know that's that's why I'm saying the changes will be made because there will be a 
a critic who knows the play as well. Bobak? I think, yeah, I think so. I agree with, uh, I agree with, let's say, money to a degree and Sina to a degree. Basically, I think that the players should be phased out gradually, especially if Kairos is being uh, changed and a new guy comes in. He cannot risk uh, disrupting this well-oiled machine, as uh, I think money put it. So, hey, Derry is already out of the team, so I wouldn't call up players that are on the bench and they're well past it, like Saudade, hey, Derry, etc. But uh, when it comes to the first team, with Nekunam out of the picture, you definitely need Taimuri on to be starting besides the next central midfielder, whoever that is. At the same time, in defense, Pejma Montezari and Jalal Hosseini, they're easily good enough to go for the next, I don't know, a couple of years, I would say. And possibly they could make it to the squad for the World Cup, even if we do qualify. So overall, I would think that, yes, we need to phase these players out, but it needs to be done gradually. And uh, we, we cannot take risks, especially if a new manager is coming in. Bobak, I'm going to go back to you again. Um, who do you think so far has been um, under Kairos in the past couple of years? Um, who's been, do you think, has been the best player under Kairos and the most improved player under Kairos? say if you want to find a symbol to Kairos's uh, uh, reign I would put Gucci uh, I would say that uh, he saved us on a few occasions he helped us qualify for the World Cup with some crucial goals even in games which we weren't the better side he saved us against the UAE he scored the equalizer against Iraq uh, overall I would say he's the symbol of Carlos Kairos's reign he was also a Diaspora, as uh, Mani said earlier, so he was brought, uh, it was probably, I think he was the first, if not the second, or, or the second player, like Ashkan Dejava, who uh, came through uh, to represent Iran. So I would probably say Gucci has been a symbol of Kirush's reign, but uh, when you talk about most improved player, it's uh, difficult. Any of the defenders could probably have a stake over there. Uh, no one really stands out in my mind, but uh, it's good to see players like Morteza Puradiganji and Vahid Amiri and Alirza Haiki coming out of nowhere to be named our first goalkeeper on the eve of the World Cup and probably doing enough over the next, last year or so to suggest that he's comfortably our number one right now. Yeah. Manu? Um, I, I think that the best player under Kuros has been Dejagat. By, by a distance, actually. I think Dejaga is class. I mean, he was uh, one of the best players in the Asian Cup. Um, and I think perhaps if Iran had got to the final, he would have been the player of the tournament. I would say probably the most improved player uh, is probably Hosseini. I think at the World Cup, he was magnificent, absolutely brilliant. And a, he's, you know, he's become a rock in the defence. So I will go for those two players. Sina? Um, I think... A symbol or a key figure in this Iran team must be that because his role goes much deeper than just a, a simple player on the field. I think he's he's had a very big role as a as a leader in that team. Everyone in the team respects him now that he's gone off. Well, of course, it's a miss in the changing room. I think more than it is on the pitch, but. I think, uh, even Kero showed it to it as well. He's been a, he's been a very important player for him um, in the last four years. Um, in terms of who's been improved the most, I'm going to go with Pejman Montazeri. I think after Aghili was controversially put aside uh, from the team, Montazeri has come in and has done a great job. And um, there's been a lot said about Rahmati, you know, uh, still whether, or, you know, at the World Cup, he was still our best goalkeeper, he wasn't taken. 
But I don't think we really missed Aghili that much because Montazeri was such a great player when he came in. So I think Montazeri uh, has to be there. Thank you. And um, going back to you again, Monty, is that um, what, what was your favorite moment under Carlos Garrish? Mine definitely was the hand gesture he gave to the South Korean coach after Gucci scored that goal. Um, my favorite moment? Um, I don't know. You, you caught me out, actually. I, I probably, I, I was there, actually, so I was, I was probably the, the final whistle in that game, just before the hand gesture, gesture when he ran qualified for the World Cup. That's probably my favorite moment. Bobak? Yeah, I would agree that uh, it was that game which basically sealed uh, a surprise and probably a shock to most Iranians. Uh, and uh, I would say, yeah, that was probably the most, the sweetest moment under his reign. Sina? Uh, I'm going to be a little bit different and I'm going to go with the uh, nine minutes uh, against Argentina before other time, you know, mm-hmm. forget the other time. <laughs> uh, yeah, just that minutes, I think it was a great performance. Uh, Certainly, in my lifetime, he's been he's been up there with the very best. Uh, you know, whether it was uh, you know defensively or going forward, you know, the way everyone put in 150% throughout the game. I thought it was a it was a great game. Before, as I said before, the other time. And what was your uh, favorite football match we played under Carlos Kairish? The best footballing style we played, and I, mine would have definitely been when we played against Iraq in the Asian Cup. Because if it was under a different coach, whoever it was, it would definitely not come back like that. And the, and the hunger and the passion the well, players showed and the charisma they showed to come back and try to fight it up, you know, down with 10 men, you won't, you won't ever see that again with a local coach or another foreign coach. And, you know, that's why I love Carlos Kish because he's implemented these players with passion and fighting for one another. So what was well, yours? I, think, I disagree with that. I, I remember the 2004 Asian Cup when Iran played for just as long with 10 men against the hosts in the home stadium. It was China and, they, and that went to penalties. So I, I, thought, I certainly don't think Carlos Coach is the only man who can instill that sort of motivation into a team. Sina? No, I, I, I... Sorry. Go on, Bob. I was going to say, when it comes to team spirit, that's something that Iranian football, in terms of, let's say rallying behind each other, especially when we're underdogs, that's always been something that we've been good at, being against the wall and just coming back with 10 men. or that That's something which is I consider temporary. It's, it's just a, a burst of passion, let's say, during a game. So, like you said, against Iraq, I'm, I'm, I agree with Mani. It's happened before. We had a game against South Korea, which I think Karimi scored the hat trick, if I'm not mistaken. It was a fourth. Yeah, 2004. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's that's another game again, which went back and forth and that yo-yoed, you know. So, I, in that sense, I I think that uh, yes, we shouldn't overstate that Kirosh is the only guy who can get us to come back with ten men down. It, it's happened before, and it's something that Iranian football has always been good at when its tactics are out of the window and it's all about passion and spirit and just. Hustle and bustle, and we get something out of the game, and we've done it throughout our history. See ya. Um, yeah, I disagree as well. I actually think the game against Iraq, we were defensively a little bit uncharacteristic, even with 10 men. I think, especially when you're a defensive side, you must at least uh, uh, practice to play with 10 men. Uh, but it didn't seem like it. Um, against Iraq, we were all over the place. I think he made the. I think it, it was his. If I want to be harsh, it was his only. Wrong substitution. He brought on Amiri and he pushed Harsavi to left back, and we scored a couple of goals. We conceded a couple of goals from from the left side. But 
yeah, I think the game um, the game against South Korea was uh, probably the best one, uh, you know, in terms of performance and the result at the end of it. Before we go on and talk about you know life after Karras and the possible candidates and who do you guys want to be the next manager, is that um going coming off with you, Bobak, is that sum up your thoughts on Karras's career with Iran in these past four years, we should say, and um and what do you think um the future will hold after that? Well, I think that I think I mentioned this to the guys before, either on or off the podcast, that I think Carlos Karras was a bit like a plaster on a bleed, uh, a bleeding wound. Uh, he he covered the he covered the bleeding and he stopped it for a while, and he got as he got a uh, he created a team that had a greater let's say uh, sum than uh, than its parts. So uh, we didn't expect we probably didn't expect to qualify for the World Cup with the squad that we had. I didn't. Even though we had a good coach, good manager, and overall the kind of let's say re, that he's reignited an interest which was kind of waning in Iranian football, and fans were a little bit disillusioned. And he's gotten the people back uh, to be interested in their national team and proud of their national team, and that has been a long time coming. For me, 2006 was uh, at the World Cup. I was there. It was very disappointing, and it was probably the low point of my uh, life when it came to supporting the national team. When I saw. Clicks in the team, and then Ali Karimi refusing to come onto the pitch uh, twice, uh, gesturing to Branco and uh, Chalanga that I'm not going to come on when he asked him to warm up and come on as a substitute. That was a disgrace for me. And then later on, Karimi was hailed as a hero, and then this whole anti-Ali Dai and pro-Ali Dai thing. So this this tarnished Iranian football for probably a decade, or if not more. So it's good that we've passed that stage, and it's good that we've seen that yes, we can play as a team. We can't play with tactics. We've always thought that Iranian footballers cannot play uh, a tactically smart and astute game, but we've seen that we can do that. Yes, we need the right coach, and we probably need to trust that coach because a lot of things that Carlos Kirish was doing initially, a lot of us didn't agree with. When he decided not to put Rahmadi back in, we thought it's a bit petty, but overall, it worked out. Maybe he was a little bit lucky at the end, but. Uh, It's difficult for me to see where we go from here because I don't think the IFF has a plan or a vision. So it could end up anyway. We could have a local coach. We could have a foreign coach. It could, it could be anything at all. So it's 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 hard for me to try to make some predictions now. Sina. Um, yeah, Bob said it perfectly. A plaster on a bleeding wound. I think you can't really say it better than that. But, uh, fundamental problems of our football are still there. You know, but uh, I'm not really going to go into too much detail in in that sense. But uh, what he did bring uh, to the team was uh, not just to the team, but I think in the region, in the Middle East. Uh, you know, even if you watch the national teams or the clubs, whether it's UAE or Qatar or uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, that discipline hasn't been there. And most of the time, it's been our shortcoming in the region when it comes to playing against the um, Eastern Asian sides. Uh, that discipline or the fitness levels of always uh, been something of a concern but uh, there was none of that with, with Iran I think um, and the perfect example is uh, the games against South Korea I mean one of the reasons why we weren't able to uh, qualify for the uh, for the 2010 World Cup was um, you know score uh, conceding two late goals against South in the two games and Park Ji Sung scored those two goals but in uh, in You know, for the 2014 one, we managed to hold on, and it was because we we didn't really feel that tired, and we were disciplined and focused for the entire. Game. Um, so yeah, I think I think he brought a lot to, uh, to the um, to our football in terms of uh, uh, 
a different style of football. You know, it's given coaches something different to think about. Uh, it's given a lot of um, tactical discipline to the players. Uh, I watch the league a lot. You know, I watch the Iranian league more than I watch the uh, the English Premier League, and uh, you can see a few differences in terms of the way teams defend. But um, I think that that difference and uh, the things we want, the changes that we want in Iranian football. Uh, would have been made if uh, maybe he stood there, maybe he was still there a little longer. Money? Well, I think there's a lot of doom and gloom. I mean, this isn't the end of Iranian football. It's not the end of the end of the national team. Um, you know, the, the fact is that Iran have done better in the Asian Cup with coaches other than Kairosh. Iran have done better in the World Cup with coaches under, uh, other than Kairosh. And I imagine they'll do better in those two competitions in the future as well. Um, you know, he's got a good, he's got a good, he's left a good squad. Um, you know, he's he, he wasn't one of those one of those. He's not Rinos Michels who's just left. You know, the Netherlands. You know, this is this is a guy who was the coach of the national team, and that's it. I mean, how much, how many games did he go to in Iran? How, how, what kind of input did he have in in the league? And I, I admit that you know if he probably would have had more impact, input if the local coaches had accepted him more, or some of them. But you know he's 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 left a decent squad. The only thing that I would worry about particularly is the fact that the entire squad of players believed in him and they really liked playing for him. And you know you wonder if they'll turn up to the next camp or the next match with whoever the coach is and. Maybe, maybe turn up with lacking a bit of motivation. Maybe feeling a little demoralised about the fact that the the guy who they really believed in and they trusted isn't there anymore. Don't know if that's going to be the case, but that that is the biggest worry for me. Thank you. So we're going to go after um, our next topic discussion is life after Kairosh. And um, coming back to you, Bob, because um, who do you, who would you honestly want, and what are some possible candidates that you think that um, IFA will go after to make our um. Who will be our next coach? Definitely has to be foreign. That's uh, the first prerequisite for me. And I would have probably gone for Vahid Halil Hodzic uh, if uh, mm-hmm. if he hadn't already taken a job recently. So that guy, he he had an impressive uh, reign with Algeria. He wasn't loved by the fans until the World Cup, and even after the World Cup, he wasn't really. I mean, his legacy generally was not a positive one, but. Uh, for the neutrals who watched the Algerian team during the World Cup, you would say that uh, he brought a brand of football that really took the game to the oppo- opponents, and uh, no one expected that from Algeria. But uh, it's difficult for me to see who is available, and cons- considering what Mani said about uh, the players uh, and how they'll react, it, it suggests to me that, uh, especially with the bigger players like Ashkan Dejaga and, uh, let's say, Temurian, Hosseini, the guys who are, uh, let's the veterans of the side or the key pillars of the side, you'd, you'd want a bigger name, someone who would automatically get the respect in a way, but it's difficult to see uh, many names available. And considering the fact that IFF or the sports ministry was not happy to make those payments to uh, or to pay Carlos Kirish's salary, you would think that they're going to go for a cheaper option. And that would kind of rule out many uh, notable coaches. So I, I really don't know where we're going from here. Money. Well, I'm not sure a notable coach is really the way forward. I'm not sure um, that that kind of character really works um, in Iran or in Asia. I mean, if you look at uh, Uli Stilicha, the uh, coach of South Korea, he, he came from nowhere and he, and he took a team 
with um, you know on its uppers after the after the terrible World Cup they had with, with you know big injuries to big players and took them all the way to the final. Um, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure you necessarily need a big name. I'm not sure you necessarily need a big name to, to gain respect. The, the people I would go for, I would. My first choice would be Zlatko Krancar, who's currently coaching in Qatar. Uh, you know, he knows the Iranian league. He knows the Iranian football culture. He's won the Iranian league. Um, it, it won't be difficult to get to get him out of his job in Qatar. I mean, their season ends soon anyway, so they can get, they can you know he can easily leave. Um, but also, I, I, th- I was very impressed with Cosmin Oleriu, who was the Saudi Arabia coach in the Asian Cup. Um, he was only there for 40 days. He, there wasn't much he could do with them, really. But, um, you know, he was, he was a very, he's a very bright guy. And um, uh, he is also, you know, he's, he's been around. He's been around the, he's been around the region. Um, and if you look at, if you look at the, the guy who I think is personally the, 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 the most successful coach in my lifetime with Iran, uh, Branko Ivankovic. You know, he came from nowhere, um, and he, you know, he was there for a while. He was there for a long time, and he earned the respect of everyone apart from apart from Ali Karimi in the end. So I don't think you necessarily, need, you know, you don't need necessarily need a big name to uh, to turn up, and you need someone who's going to be there for three years. Don't forget, Sino. Um, I think you know. I was thinking of. Uh, of Cruncher as well as as Mani said. I think when it comes to foreign managers, if you look in, we're looking for not an easy option, but the first name that comes in comes into your mind is Cruncher. He, he worked for Iran on many occasions. He, he worked for Persepolis and Sepahan as well. Um, and yeah, he he was considered um, to be. He was linked to the under 23s job as well, which Khakibul got in the end. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if he's mentioned again. But um, I'm still going to go. You know, not my personal opinion, uh, as in personal choice, but I think they will go for a local manager. Uh, certainly, Hossein Faraki would be would be mentioning there. He's he's been uh, he worked with uh, Ivankovic for a long time. He's been in around Team for years. Um, he's worked successfully in the Iranian league. He won the uh, he won the league with Fulham last season. He's currently um, a Sepahan. Not necessarily great results, but he's just moved there. So I think. Will be there. Uh, other names, Yahya Gul Mohammadi and Ali Zaman Suryan as well. They'll uh, be in and around. But um, yeah, I think uh, we'll, we'll be we'll be seeing a local manager in charge. Local or foreign manager? Will the philosophy that KOJ implemented be gone now? Um, just due to whoever they're going to bring in, or do you think somehow they'll cope with that and try to implement build upon it, Babak? I would personally build upon it. Uh, for me, uh, as a supporter and a follower of football, it's about winning. It's I, not everyone is uh, privileged to say that they have the right to win and win in style. It's about winning first and foremost. So we've never made the World Cup twice in a row, qualified for the World Cup twice in a row. When was the last time we won the Asian Cup? If that's the standard we're judging Carlos Kerosh by, we haven't won it for, I think it's about, what, 40 years, uh, more or less. So... With Kairos, I was relatively confident that we would qualify for the next World Cup as well. But now the challenge is, can we break that hoodoo and can we qualify for the World Cup? I would build upon the same style and not try to make too many changes. For that, you would need a manager who is smart enough to understand the strengths of the team and be 
willing to continue Carl Kirsch's work rather than try to make a completely uh, different, uh, stamp his own authority and say, oh, no, we've played defensive football for the last three, four years. I'm going to play a brand of attacking football and it's going to backfire. So I would like to build upon that style and I would like to have someone who shares that philosophy. Even if he's not uh, a notable manager, as Moni says, I would like someone who has that sort of defensive fluidity. Someone like Ocho Rehagel, if, if others don't mind. I know he's, uh, he's retired now, I think. But uh, someone who shares that counter-attacking uh, style. Sina? Um, I think when it comes to uh, you know philosophies, I think we also have to consider that in four years' time, if we're at the World Cup, then... Uh, I'd say around 80% of this team wouldn't be there. I think the only name that is uh, most definitely will be there is probably Dejaga and Hojsafi. I think the rest may be too old to um, to get into that team. Um, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd build on it in this in the way that the foundations are there in terms of the defensive game. But we have to be a little bit more adventurous going forward. I think we struggle against teams around us a lot more than uh, we used to. Um, of course, uh, they're improving at a you know huge rate, but at the same time, we know that our, our standards of football are a lot higher. So I think we need to um, develop a more adventurous, adventurous style um, with the players that we have coming through as well, Adres Ojahan Basse, and Sardar Rosman, as I mentioned, and alongside a few others. So we have that potential. Um, I don't think we can limit ourselves to a counter-attacking and just defensive football. But uh, the foundations to this, you know, the way we keep clean sheets, the way we defend the back four alongside, uh, you know, with the two defensive midfielders in front of them, I think uh, that's something that we can keep. But in terms of going forward and having possession, I think we can certainly improve on that. Marnie? Sina, I, so, sorry. Oh, go, sorry, go ahead, bye -bye. Can I just comment on Yeah, of course. I, I anything, feel free. Uh, Sina, don't you agree that uh, our style of football looks much better and functions much better when we play against teams that are arguably on paper stronger than us? Teams that when they do attack, they have a certain thrust and... Uh, uh, cutting edge, not teams like UAE and Qatar, who, yes, they will dominate the ball, but they probably haven't reached a level where they can cut through a tactically disciplined team. And we saw UAE and Qatar uh, during the Asian Cup. They could not really, they, I, I cannot remember many chances against us, but against teams like uh, um, Chile, for example, or during the World Cup against Argentina, teams that could really cut us open, we were much more threatening on the counter-attack because we had the space to play in and we could actually break through much quicker and much more fluidly. Yeah, I agree, but uh, you also have to consider that we said Kairosh, what Kairosh, was did, uh, what Kairosh did best was to get the best out of a generation maybe that maybe isn't as talented as the previous ones. But I think the, uh, the generation that is coming through now is a lot more uh, talented in terms of uh, attacking football. So uh, my point is we shouldn't just limit ourselves to a counter-attacking game. Of course, uh, we, under this philosophy, we play a lot better on the, you know, against bigger teams. But uh, that doesn't mean we have to play that, you know, that style of football against uh, the teams around us as well. Uh, as you said, we, we kind of struggled against UAE and Qatar, but that was because we were almost too defensive. So I, I'd like to see that change, especially in the World Cup qualifiers where um, we will play against a lot of teams in and around us. Money. Well, I have to say, if, um, 
if Otto Rehagel or someone like him tactically is the next Iran coach, I might send back my Iranian passport because that would be depressing beyond words. I mean, let's not forget, Carlos Carlos was defensive with, with Ronaldo in his team. So I'm not sure that necessarily his, his brand of football is a blueprint for the future of the national team. And the thing with the national team is that you have flexibility. It's not like a club where you you know, you know play once a week or even twice a week. You can, you can come in and you can change the style without it being too much of a wrench. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't put out the, ad, the advert saying wanted defensive coach. Um, I think you get the coach who um, who suits who suits all the all the criteria or as, or as many of the criteria as possible, and then whatever their philosophy is, we stick to that. I mean, nobody after Iran quali- Iran failed to qualify for the 2010 World Cup said what we need is someone who's defensive. Um, so I don't think I don't think that that we necessarily need to continue in this vein. I mean, you know, as I said earlier, there's a difference between being defensive and having a solid defence. Every every single successful team in the history of football has had a solid defence, but not every single team in the history of football has been defensive. Thank you. So would you guys think that, that whoever the next coach is, is going to be, do you think the players will be disciplined and will they play tactical football under the new manager, Sino? I think you're going into too much detail, you know, on tactical football. I mean, uh, at the end of it, what you know, as fans, what we want to see is our team winning. But at the same time, we want to win it, you know, with a good performance in terms of really not just winning one nil, but really showing that we're more powerful than the, you know, than the other team, especially against the Asian teams. So yeah, I think of course tactical discipline is always needed. You know. You know Every team, tactical discipline is needed. The ability to uh, to get the players to to stick with a certain tactic throughout the game. But um, at the same time, it doesn't mean that tactic has to be a defensive football where we uh, give the opposition thirty or forty percent possession on a game to game basis. At the same time, I'm not really criticizing Kerush because I still think what he did was great considering what he had. What he had. But I think in the future, especially in the next three or four years that kind of style had to change. And I think we all agreed that if he was staying on, he had to give more youngsters a chance and he had to be more, um, you know, ambitious in terms of uh, the way, you know, he, it, you know, in terms of his tactics. Money? Well, if the players aren't tactically disciplined, then, uh, you know, it's a fault that lies with them, not the next coach, because they should be professional enough to, uh, you know, not sulk if they feel like sulking and get on with it. Bobak? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think it's uh, too early to say how we're going to play, as you know said. It depends on the coach, it depends on his philosophy. But uh, I stick to what I said earlier, that uh, uh, I hope we try to build upon this rather than try to make a 180-degree turn uh, uh, or change and uh, let, it fall, uh, let, it, uh, let us fall on our faces. And... Uh, uh, get knocked out of the qualification campaign way too early. Thank you. Do you think a, a gradual change, not necessarily, as you said, 180 degree, but a gradual change within the next four years or even eight years, not even eight, but four years, we would need to be a bit more, uh, you know, adventurous in the way we play? Uh, I, th- I think that against teams, uh, 
in and around us, teams that we've historically struggled against in the last 20 years, even the likes of UAE, Qatar, etc. I think that, uh, yes, we could be a little bit more uh, adventurous, but again, it's about the players that you have. Until recently, Ashkan Dejaga was probably our only pacey player, and he's not even a pacey player. So now that we have Jahan Bakhsh coming through, we have Sardar Osmoon coming through, a couple of youngsters that can rejuvenate the attack, yes, we probably will. And I, I, uh, who is to say that Carlos Kirish wouldn't have done? Look at the way we played against Chile. Ball possession was more or less roughly, we were, I think, about 45% by the end of the game. So we were much more adventurous, but we were still playing a solid defensive game and on the counter-attack, but we were much more we had much more cutting edge. So I think given time and given proper preparation, let's not forget he was probably in charge of the national side, which had the least amount of preparation compared to his predecessors. Getting games against European teams or international teams like Sweden and Chile will only benefit us the same way they have benefited South Korea and Japan for the last 15 years because when they have a FIFA date, they end up playing against top teams so that when they come up against them in major tournaments, they are not overwhelmed, even though the results suggest otherwise uh, throughout their history. But they, they, be, they become acquainted to this. They become familiar. And their players don't end up taking selfies with Zlatan at the end of the game like he's the second coming. So those are the, that, that's the kind of environment we want to create by making it normal for us to play teams like Chile or Sweden during international uh, dates. I totally agree with that, but I mean, I don't, I don't think that's down to the, that's down to the coach, is it? I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's another issue. No, no, entirely. it's about the federation, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it ties in. Let's not forget, Carlos Queiroz did not receive much support. I know for a fact that he was booking tickets for the, for flights at a point uh, a year or eighteen months ago for one of their games. So that's well, not something the national. He asked to do that. Yeah, because he had no faith. Because he had no faith in the people that were doing it. It's not that he wants to do some. It's not that he wants to spend his time doing things like that. It's because he has no faith when he leaves it in the other people's hands. We have to admit that. Well, I'm not sure. I mean, how can he not have faith in someone booking tickets? I don't, I don't remember any stories about Iran not turning up somewhere because nobody booked the flights. I think he, he, um, you know, he took it upon himself very, very early on to, to, um, to fly here and there and, and check out hotels and, and goodness only knows what else. Um, but, I mean, that's, that's another issue. Um, and that's a, it kind of goes beyond what we're talking about. Um, whoever the next, the next guy is, I personally won't miss it if we have if we don't if we don't have games where we have less possession than teams like Qatar and Bahrain and UAE. And um, just just for the record, the, the Chile game was 69-31 in favour of Chile. You know, Iran don't have don't dominate possession and. At some point, there'll be a run of games if they can continue like this, where they will go behind. The other team will score the first goal, and then, and then, you know, the question I always wondered, which I suppose will never be answered now, is what would have what would have happened then? What would, would Iran have been able to change the system? But who knows? So, firstly, for me, the next coach, I would like to be someone who's competent and someone who's a bit more adventurous and can can, can develop can develop the discipline that that Carlos Carrosh. Hopefully that will be Khiyabani. <laughs> so guys, I just want to conclude this and we've heard the big news that obviously Javod Nekonom is retiring after I believe 34 years and um, he broke the record for the caps, 151 caps and scored 39 uh, goals. Um, 
so Bob, I come in with you. Can you just give us a brief summary of his career and what you saw of him as a captain? And we know how much uh, Keros is a big fan of Nekonom as a captain, and he's definitely a big uh, fan of Peshman Parso, their buddies. So what do you think? I think that uh, Nekonom's career uh, internationally needs to be praised for sure, but there was a period of probably five, six years, somewhere in the middle, towards the end of his career, where you didn't see him influencing the games as much as you would think someone of his ability could. He would slow down the tempo way too much, especially before the Carlos Queiroz reign, when Iran tried to play a more adventurous attacking game. A lot of the time, in the middle of the pitch, it would get slowed down. He's very lax on the ball. Uh, reminds me of a player we had at Blackburn at the time, Keith Andrews, where he would hold and dally on the ball for far too long when and let opponents close him down very quickly. So, uh, th th let's. I think that Carlos Kirish's style of football benefited Javad Nekunam and allowed him to dictate the tempo far more than he would have uh, earlier in his career when, uh, let's say, a couple of years earlier. He was 34, 35, and in the last couple of years, I could pick on one hand how many good games he had for us. But during the Asian Cup, he showed that he's still important with his experience and his uh, wit. And over the last couple of games, he impressed me a little bit. Against Chile, he was decent. Against Iraq, I thought he was okay. So he will be missed. He is our international record uh, appearance maker. It takes away a record from Ali Dai, which would make a lot of people happy as well. Um, but uh, I think he is replaceable. Mani? Uh, I think... I think he's... Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure who's better of him and Kane Barbary. Um, to be honest, but it, I think one of those two, well, both of those two are the you know the two best midfielders who've ever played in Western Asia, in my opinion. And he was a he was a talisman. He was he went he was one of those players who went beyond the pitch. You know, he he had a presence everywhere, and he was a leader uh, who most people most of the players looked up to. Um, a real real influence on the team in many ways and it will be very difficult to find someone um, who's going who's gonna to fill those shoes. It will happen obviously over time but there isn't an obvious replacement for him in that sense. Um, I think I think Tamaria would be an excellent choice as the next captain uh, but Nekonam was you see what Nekonam did was he, he, he put anyone who wasn't Iranian Look, he watched, watched the national team play. The first, the first name they always came up with as, a, as for praise was Nekonam because of his, because of his professionalism, because of his uh, tactical nous. Uh, not, you know, even before Karash, you know, they, they may, they were, I agree with Babak. There were games where he was, you know, he's off the pace, but but he was, he's all, he's been a fulcrum in that team and the heartbeat of that team for a decade and a half and I think you cannot praise him enough what a magnificent player and um, you know if we find someone who can who can fill those shoes then uh, I'll be very happy indeed Sina? Uh, well for me I think he is probably the most underrated player we've ever produced I think he he doesn't get the praise as he should I think um, Middle East in general doesn't really produce these kind of players who are sometimes more appreciated in in Spain or you know while he was out so sooner than than he was in in Iran or in Asia. So I think he's 
he's one of you know he's been there for 15 years. He's seen it all. You know whether it was that you know, defeat to to Bahrain, you know the, the for me the most painful uh, defeat uh, you know, as a fan, the 3-1 loss to the game against Argentina. So he's been a long time. Uh, uh, captaincy, Iranian captaincy, is certainly one of those titles that brings a lot of controversy with uh, with it. You know. Uh, no matter who the player is, but I think for me he he handled it really well. He he's a he's a true role model for everyone. You know, for the kids growing up, for the next generation. Uh, his attitude, his mentality, the way uh, the way he plays, his you know his the way he looks at the game. I think is a lot different to the players we usually we usually produce. And um, I hope we do produce players like him in the, you know in the long term because uh, they're always needed. But for me, as I said, he's uh, he's the more underrated player we've, uh, we've ever had. Thank you. My last question for this podcast will be, now that we think that um, Nekonam's retiring, who would you guys think will be the next captain? Babak? I think it all depends on uh, which players decide to continue playing with the national team. I think right now there's a bit of a limbo considering I think a few players will wait to see what happens next before deciding their international future. I can see uh, Andronik Taymourion, Jano Hosseini, Masoud Shoujai. These are three players who I feel uh, we don't know if they're going to continue with the national team or not, and it will depend on who comes in next. Uh, but for me, uh, I would probably say in the interim period, uh, Andronik Taymourion. He's got uh, he's he's been our best player during in two back-to-back World Cup qualifications uh, in 2006 and 2014 for me. Uh, when I saw him in the run-up to the World Cup, I thought he's unfit and he looks like he's gained some weight as well. And even after that, going to the Asian Cup, but he still performed brilliantly. And even now, he still has an engine that no other Iranian player has in the center of the midfield. So I would uh, I would think it's a, it would be a nice way for him to cap his international career. One of the most underrated players we've produced and arguably one of the best defensive midfielders, midfielders in Asian football history. Morning. Taymourion. Sina? Uh, well, right now, he's the captain of, uh, of the national team because he was vice captain uh, when they couldn't move there, so automatically he gets promoted. But I think in the long term, one of the players that should be looked at and will be looked at is Ehsan Hoysafi. Yeah. He's, he's only 25, he's had around 70-odd caps. He's captained Iran before, so I think he'll, he'll definitely be there in the long term. But uh, as the guys said, uh, certainly for the next couple of years, Andranik, uh, Andranik for me. Thank you guys for this uh, lovely discussion. And um, Bobak, what's your Twitter handle for viewers? Yeah, it's Bobak Golriz. So B A B A K G O L R I Z. Mani? It's uh, Mani, M A N I, 2911. And a prize of untold riches to whoever guesses what the 2911 refers to. It's not my pin. <laughs> Sina? Um, you can find me on Twitter at uh, S-I-N-A-A underscore S-A. Thank you. And then towards this um, thing, um, Pod, um, I'll, there's going to be the press conference that uh, Pejman Pars had with the Carlos Carriers. There are some great insights that Carriers told them that if anybody wants to do them, they could uh, do that. But thank you guys for coming, and I really appreciate it. Thanks, Pasha. Cheers, guys. Visited Sweden and Stockholm. I had the privilege to be in one of their trainings. It was a so-called 
close the training, but since the training was in a stadium where basically you could stand just beside the stadium and see the training, uh, there were a couple of hundred fans uh, watching them play. And the thing is that they were playing on a uh, artificial grass arena, which itself is kind of strange because the, the game was uh, supposed to be held in, on a, a natural grass and also none of these players are used to playing artificial, artificial grass. So the training was more light, easy training and they didn't do much. But uh, about the Sweden and Iran game, well, uh, we all saw that the, the, the speed, the knowledge, the international experience from the Swedish players were above the Iranians. And that was the main reason that Iran lost. Uh, Iran had problems in the defense. And, and my standpoint is, is this with the Iran national team. If we were able to... Uh, don't let any goals in in the first 30 minutes or even in the first half, then it can be in our favor because uh, we have a strong, usually, we have a, usually we have a strong defense. But if we let an early goal in, then we have to change our game plan, our game tactics, and become try to become an offensive team with uh, uh, and, and holding the ball. Now, that didn't happen. Sweden was leading 2-0 in just a couple of, I think the first goal came in 10 minutes, in the 10th minute, and the second goal came shortly thereafter. Uh, fortunately, Iran managed to get a penalty by Bahid Amiri, who was doing great, by the way, in that game. Uh, and the second half usually uh, turned out to be how second halves in training game, games are, uh, friendly games. They... There are too many substitutions, and the game didn't really have any anything to offer. But it was a great first half. I'm sure all the guys have been talking a lot about it. Uh, but speaking about Kairos, Carlos Kairos, in the press conference after the game, I also had the privilege to be there and uh, uh, listen to what he had to say. And I have to say, amongst all... The, the things that happened the last week where I've been following the national team and the media and everything and even the game I must say that the press conference was the most uh, how can I say it, entertaining one or, or the one with, with, which I will remember most of all and that's only because of Kairos Kairos during the press conference really spoke his heart out uh, Every question he got, he answered very fairly and gave details about everything. And my question to him was that, uh, whose decision was is it that you're going to quit? Or, and what has happened? And he gave us, uh, journalists, a very long answer. Uh, first of all, he was kind of, you could see in his body, in his, uh, the way he spoke, that he was sad and feeling kind of down but basically he said this he said this is not what what I wanted this was not my intention or this is not something that I desire uh, this decision has been made by somebody else and this somebody else Kairos uh, said was a gentleman called Dr. Asadi now who is Dr. Asadi he 
sorry. He is the new vice president of the Iranian national team, uh, with Kafashian still being the president. He's been there now for five, six weeks only, but already have made clear stance on what he thinks about Kerosh. And this is from Kerosh himself that said, Dr. Assadi said that uh, we, the Iranian national team, and me as a manager, haven't gotten any results. We haven't introduced any new players. We haven't done anything special with the national team at all. Uh, he said that he's not satisfied with what I have done with the national team. And what he said, and this is kind of shocking, he said, Mr. Kerosh, you're not even at the minimum of what I see a, a, a national team coach should be. So as we say in, in Persian, yeah, not even had the aqal, the minimum standards, the minimum required for what he sees in a coach, he can't see that in Kerosh. And Kerosh, whether we like it or not, he has some great experience. Yeah, he had been first and most first been working with FIFA as a technical advisor since 1989, been all around the world uh, working with different uh, federations. He's been uh, uh, head coach for Real Madrid, for South Africa, for UAE, if I'm not mistaken, uh, for the Portugal national team. He's been assistant with Alex Ferguson, and you know all of that. So that's simply not true, uh, the, the minimum standards. Uh, none of the Iranian coaches in Iran or outside Iran will ever have such such uh, uh, CV as Kairosh has had. So he was really sad about Kairosh not uh, getting any results, as he said. Or not sad, more disappointed and more angry. Or as he said, uh, that Dr. Asadi said, well, you can, you can maybe entertain people and, yeah, you know, bring a few loves. But that's basically it. That's all you can give to the Iranian people. And he also said that Dr. Asadi himself said, you know, in front of Kafashian, I mean, so this is a vice president that clearly can stand above uh, Kafashian. Uh, so Kafashian said, well, you know, after this, with everything you have heard, uh, I don't think there's a, there's a room for you anymore. There's no place for you here. You were more, I think things are going to get even worse. I doubt that if we even will qualify to the World Cup 2018. Uh, and besides all this, Dr. Asadi, I don't know if he's a real doctor or not. Everybody here in Iran is either a doctor or, or an engineer as soon as they get a, a position. So I don't know if he's a doctor. But this is Mr. Asadi uh, have basically made the federation into two federations. And this is what Carlos Kader said. He said, in Iran now, we don't have one federation. We have two different federations in the same place. He said, I don't mind having different opinions. Two opinions, four opinions. It's all good. I don't mind that. But you can't have two different agendas. You can't be working at, the, you know, striving at two different goals at the same time. Somebody pushing that way and the other way pushing that other way. And he was also really disappointed that the Football Federation in Iran 
didn't take the first team, the national team, as its first priority. And he was referring to Azmun and Jahan Bakhsh being a part of the Iranian national team, the under-23 team, who played the qualifiers uh, against such teams like Nepal, Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia, and uh, yeah, I think it was Nepal, Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia. Uh, really weak teams, and also Palestine, Palestine, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, that question is: Do, do did we need our our two young players for that kind of game or not? If you ask Kairosh, he says no. He needed them for preparation for the World Cup 2018, which is in his mind. He says the preparations starts already June 2015. Not 2016, as some in the Federation wanted to say. Uh, and that's why he wanted them in these two games against uh, good opponents. Uh, so, he said, this is, as I repeat, I repeat myself, this is not a decision that I made, but I don't understand. If Asadi don't want me, why don't he just fire me? And uh, probably this is just mind games. Um, and uh, he, he wants to he wants maybe Kerosh to quit himself so they don't have to pay him uh, a heavy salary because he had a contract in 2018. So at this moment Kerosh still has a contract, but the question is what will happen now? And he also said he said you can't play my tricks with coaches. I mean a part of being coach is to actually you know being a master of mind games. He said. We have been uh, mastering mind games since we were in kindergarten, so that doesn't work on me. Uh, he also said, Mr. Asadi and uh, whoever he represents, which, which in my mind or everybody else's mind means that he actually is, uh, is there for maybe doing, doing somebody else's dirty work. Now, if it's the sports uh, ministry or somebody else, I leave that up to you guys to decide. Um, so I really said Kerosh was speaking about 30 minutes in the press conference, which in itself is, is kind of unique because press conference are usually you 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 answer, you get to ask two three questions about the game maybe. But this Kerosh he really wanted this information to came out to come out, and uh, he was speaking directly from his heart, and he was really praising the Iranian national team and the players and he said he had all the love for the fans and everything and he said I've been around the world uh, I've been coaching so long and I've never felt the love that I felt uh, from Iran anywhere else true or not it's still uh, great to hear that uh, we actually do have fans and players that support a coach and uh, he, he's come back to Iran as a hero but his employers uh, don't see it that way. Now, what this will come down to, nobody knows. Uh, what we do know is that uh, Kairosh won't be an Iranian national coach as long as Asadi uh, is in the federation. Now, another scenario is that Asadi all of a sudden changes his mind and maybe uh, let's Kairosh stay, but
from from uh, what I've heard about Mr. Assadi so far, uh, his first priority is to get rid of Kairosh. As he said, you're not even at the minimum standards of what I see in a coach. And this comes from a guy who's never, who's who's not involved in football generally. Unfortunately, this is a symptom for for the Iranian football in general. This is something we're used to, but we will never accept. Uh, you can never accept mismanagement, although you can get used to it. Uh, what this will come down to, nobody knows. Uh, Iran have a couple of months now without any friendlies and, or anything else, and that should be enough time for them to, to get a new coach or at least solve these issues. Uh, we don't know what will happen, well, but uh, we all can agree, uh, can agree that what Kairos have done in the last four years is amazing, given the facts, the poor quality of the players he had so far. Um, he he've, uh, more or less had to keep a kind of old squad now, uh, until now because there haven't been enough youth growth. Now, that's coming shortly. We have players like Ozmoon and Jahan Baksh. We have Amiri that got done, done uh, good work. We have Pur Ali Ganji in the defense that can uh, for hopefully get some good experience in China. Uh, we have a couple of other young players in the, in the national team uh, who's now, I won't say young, young, but at least young enough to be in the World Cup 2018, maybe even even longer. Such players as Al-Reza Hariri, the goalkeeper, uh, Ehsan Haj Safi, our left uh, winger. Uh, and we have a lot of players that need to go. Uh, and with go, with all due respect, I mean, that's uh, they will be old enough and probably not good enough for the World Cup 2018. Such players as... Uh, Big Saderi. We have players. Uh, I think even Ashkan Bejarev. I'm sure he will stay until 2018, but and maybe he will be at his prime. But that will be his, his last uh, moment in the big scene. Heydari, uh, Shojai. We have some players there that's that's need to. Uh, need to give room to other young players, and that would be probably Carlos Keir's next step during this World Cup qualifiers that's coming ahead. But we don't know what will happen now. We only can hope and uh, wish and dream for a better national team, a better organized team, and hopefully with a good coach that can make his, uh, that can work as he's supposed to do, and not have a beef with the federation all the time. Okay, guys, that was all from me. Sorry for the long uh, input here. I'm sure Pasha can edit it and make it shorter and uh, more correct. Hope you guys have a nice time.